Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Coming up on this week's show... Holy smokes, Pope signing adds momentum to our transfer business. Botman begins, Sven is on Tyneside to complete a 37 million euro move from Lille. Any more for any more, you told us what you want from the rest of the transfer window. Yes, hi, I'm Taylor Payne and it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to this here episode of Pod on the Tyne. Chris Woff is joining us as always. Chris, how are you doing? You alright? I'm alright, thank you. Yeah, I'm just back from St. James's Park itself actually and even though mm-hmm. Sven Botman is on Tyneside and signing, it was not to see Sven Botman unfortunately. That's a shame. My former school, uh, Emmanuel College, were having a careers day there and for some reason they thought that they would bring me along to try and speak to the kids and give a keynote speech <laughs> and I didn't completely disgrace myself and that they see- I seemed to be plausible really which i don't know if it says less about the kids or me that, that but uh, yeah they seemed they seemed sort of in enthralled uh to a degree that's impressive i would i would love to go back to my old school and give it a, a give a speech but it's no longer there it's been flattened to make way for uh, new build houses so that's lovely. you could go and talk to the houses you could just go and chat to the house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh and we're also joined by uh, the athletics right uh, andy jones who's going to come on and talk all things burnley and nick pope especially andy how are you doing i'm good back again Nice, thanks for coming back. Know, yeah, a bit of a regular occurrence this now, isn't it? Yeah, we'll just get you on every transfer window when Newcastle <laughs> sign all your players. So. <laughs> yeah. Do you want some of ours, by the way, while you're here? Because we've got loads. Like <laughs> Jeff Hendrick, have you heard of him? Well, he's, yeah. oh, he's great, honestly. <laughs> Island International, yeah. loads of caps, honestly. Couldn't get in the QPR team, but don't let that ruin your thought of it. <laughs> yeah, our fat, bloated squad. I mean, I mean Burnley, have you, have you got any players left down in Burnley now? Or are they all gone? Not many. It is rather threadbare. I mean, it was uh, it was quite funny, sort of, when that, that first day back, because a few of them were away on internationals and therefore had an extended break. But it was quite funny, sort of, trying to count up and sort of thinking, I'm still on the first two hands of, of first team players you were actually back on. <laughs> On day one, but yeah. it's fair to say I think they're, they're, they're quite busily working behind the scenes to make sure it's there's a lot more than that. But by the fir- at least the first day of the season, if not by the end of the window. Absolutely, uh, Chris, you've uh, you've been very busy this last uh, couple of weeks on transfers and stuff like that. Nick Pope through the door last week, uh, a, a fantastic signing and a, p- a pretty reasonable fee that as well for an, for an England international with lots of experience, classed as one of the the best goalkeepers in the league. Ten million pounds. I mean, that that's a great deal, isn't it? I mean, Andy can say a little bit more on it. We think it was about eleven million, but it's still a very, very, oh, right. very, yeah. very. Uh, 
good price that, that Newcastle have managed to get there. And I think that they've, again, to, to a similar, although very different extent to what they did in January with Burnley, where they capitalised on a situation to sign uh, Chris Wood because there was a clause they could exercise. This time they've capitalised on Burnley's relegation and their apparent need for money. And they've seen an opportunity to go and get Nick Pope. If you'd said to me six weeks ago, Going in the final couple of weekends of the season, did I think Newcastle were going to sign Nick Pope? I mean, first of all, I think at that stage it looked like Burnley may just about survive, but also, secondly, I I don't. It came as a little bit of surprise to me, as I said last week, when they first were looking at Nick Pope. I know that one of the things they were looking at early on was a goalkeeper who maybe was a little bit better with his feet. Someone who's going to play out from the back, and we'll get onto a little bit more of that. But really, the fact that Nick Pope brings so much more competition to the goalkeeping area and England national. Someone who has really impressed over the course of the last few years, um, who is very good at defending his own box, very good at coming for crosses, and also provides a bit of a sweeper-keeper role. It just seemed like too good a deal for Newcastle turned down. It was more Premier League experience for Newcastle, uh, for Eddie Howe, and it's almost like an extension of his January signings in that sense. It's someone for the here and now, someone who comes in and immediately certainly either provides stiff, stiff competition for Martin Dubravka or, as I suspect will happen in the not-too-distant future, will probably become the number one. It's it's a pretty uh, pretty good value for money signing that, Andy, isn't it, Nick Pope? You, you'll have seen more of him than, than a lot of people. He's he's highly regarded, isn't he, as a goalkeeper? Yeah, I think it's it's one of those... I mean, I know goalkeepers have sort of a different price to, to outfield players, but I think it's a, a real bargain. Because, I mean, as, as Chris alluded to there, if, if Burnley was still in the Premier League, you wouldn't be getting... Anyway, in the year, this mm, sort of yeah. this sort of price tag for, for Nick Pope, Burnley would have commanded the fee, you know, in excess of of, of of well of this probably twenty million, twenty five million plus, because um, he would have been in that sort of much more financially stable and and I think that from discussions I had, I think if Burnley had stayed up, Pope probably would have signed a new contract and you know it was it, it was a case of Burnley not wanting to stand in his way and sort of accepting as as they have for a. A couple of players really that they don't really des- they deserve to be playing at a higher level in the championship and especially with with the World Cup coming up, you know it was sort of accepted that they were going to lose Nick Pope. They probably would have wanted to get a little bit more money for him, but from conversations I was having, it was around that sort of ten million to fifteen million pound mark that people thought that's that's where he'd go, um, or that that would be the price point. And yeah, I think but Newcastle are signing you know, a top top goalkeeper. The amount of times I've sort of tweeted. My astonishment, I think, or my amazement at what a save he's made, and it was, you know, fairly regularly. It was sort of weekly, and and I mean, all you have to do is sort of go back to to the the last stretch of of the season last season, where, you know, weekly he was pulling off top save after top save, keeping Burnley in games. You know, when they were nicking points, you look at the Aston Villa game where he, I think he makes eight saves in the game, which is his joint highest. Yeah, the one from Bertrand Sayori is just phenomenal. Um, and West Ham was another one. I remember that. Yeah. Um, that Issa D off one right at the end, and there was a couple more that I don't think that because that save was that good that didn't get the praise. But it was a couple of one on ones as well where he he still looked big. And yeah, in terms of keeping the ball out out of the goal, which is you know the main aim for a goalkeeper, you know he's I think he's just one he's one of the best around. Yeah, I mean he's 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 thought of as a really good sort of reaction goalkeeper, isn't he? And he's great at uh, at pulling off those spectacular saves. Um, there, is there any question marks around his game? I know people have mentioned his footwork, and he's not the best at, at playing passes out. But what, what what sort of weaknesses would you think Nick Pope has? I, I mean, in terms of, I mean, we'll come on to sort of the the with the ball with his feet, but he he's continue continued to improve sort of 
as I've seen him in, in sort of the last over the last three years, there was a he did. I thought he had a little bit of a problem with when balls were hit sort of around his feet, um, and, and sort of his ability to adjust his feet quickly, whether to react by by saving it with his legs or, you know, sometimes he was getting beat by shots that were nearer to him. Um, but he, he you know, he he's improved in that aspect, and 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 that doesn't seem to be as big a problem anymore. It's it's a difficult one to just because. Um, he he struggled at the at the start of like what last what is last season now. Um, it sort of culminated in in his in his error. Um, Burnley fans will probably say it was a foul. Um, against Newcastle, <laughs> that, definitely wasn't a foul. That well, I mean, exactly. It not. would have been soft. It's fair to say. Um, <laughs> so it, it it was one of them where he he struggled, but it was because of the knee surgery that he'd had in the summer, and he didn't have a pre season, and he came in and basically was was trying to get get to grips with his game and. You know, he hadn't been able to do really anything over the summer, so it was a, a case of getting back to to himself. But then you, you see in the second the second part of the season that he was back to his best. And the the question mark is surrounding his feet, and 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 can he play out from the back? And I think it remains a question mark because you can say, oh well, you know, he he doesn't do it, but Bernie's style was never to do it, so he's never really been in the position. He's never had to exactly to actually have to. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm the I'm the most Calm necessarily when he's in possession, um, but that's probably from the fact that he's you're so used to seeing him when he gets it, they go long because that's what Burnley do. And, yeah, and then they're never really in the situations where they're trying to play it around the back and be a bit cute, and you know you'll have a high press on from from a team because it was very much with Burnley he gave it back to Pope and then then he'd launch it. Um, but what he what he is. What I would say is he's he's no nonsense, so he's not the type of keeper. It, well, I, I've certainly not seen it, um, and you never know what he might pull one out the bag. But he's not the type of keeper who'll try and overplay, or yeah. you know, if he if he's under pressure, he'll get rid. Yeah, um, which I think is an important aspect of it, even though it might not look great, and he might you know boot it out for a throw in a few times, and you go ah, oh. and but I'd rather him do that than than try a creep turn fall over and, and concede the goal type thing. So that that's the big yeah. question. It, even because even when he's played with England, he's played in games where they've barely had the ball around him hmm. because it's all been in the opposition's half. So that even that side of it, it's difficult to, to fully judge that aspect of it as well. Because while Gareth Southgate obviously, you know, prioritizes or wants his goalkeeper to play off from the back, there is that element of the games he's played in. They've not really lent themselves to England building up from the back. They've built up from the halfway line, and he's been a bit of a, a passenger and could have had a deck chair out. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. Um, Chris Martin Dubravka. I wonder how he's feeling at the moment. Obviously, he saw Nick Pope come in, and um, and you know it's a threat to his position, isn't it? But Martin Dubravka hasn't done an awful lot wrong, has he? There has been some slight question marks over some of his performances, but he's still a very, very good keeper, isn't he? He is, and I, I think that. There was uh, some surprise in January when I kept on saying repeatedly that I think if they could, Newcastle would sign another goalkeeper. And as I said, going into this summer. But th- this is not so much a negative about Martin Dubravka as Newcastle, A, would like some serious competition from. You know that when Dubravka is fit, he is the established number one. And Newcastle aren't just satisfied with where they are. They want to keep getting better and they want to keep improving. So whether that's someone who comes in who pushes Dubravka to another level, or as as I said, I suspect may happen in the short term as Pope may well 
get the number one jersey because he's a he's an Eddie Howe signing, so therefore you think he's probably going to be slightly ahead in the pecking order. But also the the, the last two seasons, Martin Dubravka has missed nearly half of, of matches because he's had two serious feet, uh, foot injuries, and then you've had to bring in either Carl Dahl or Freddie Woodman. As, as it happened at different occasions and Newcastle suffered because of it because it wasn't quite the same level so to have that additional goalkeeper but it would be interesting to see what happens next on the goalkeeper front in terms of Dubravka has been linked away over the course of the last sort of 12 months and I think there has been sort of tentative interest in him maybe if someone comes in that'll that'll tempt him to go Darlow has interest from championship clubs including Middlesbrough but it isn't guaranteed that he will go. Freddie Woodman has already left to go to Preston, but Newcastle still now have four senior goalkeepers, if we include Mark Gillespie. So does Mark Gillespie go? They're in an interesting situation there, and I think there will be more reshuffling of the goalkeeper department going forward. You often say, though, don't you, Andy, that if a team wants to try and sort of make any kind of uh, impact on the league, they need to have a really good backup stopper as well as a first choice, don't they? And, and you would say Newcastle have probably got that now in Pope and Dubravka. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what you want, is that you want... A, that sort of competition for places, but you also want to make sure that the competition is of, of a high standard and it's not, <laughs> you know, if you've got a goalkeeper and he makes mistakes, you've got someone else who can come in. It's, it's it. I would imagine the Pope and Dubravka are just going to, you know, improve each other because of that competition. And, and you've got, you've got Pope who, who is coming into a club and he, he knows he needs to be number one. Um, because I think with Dean Henderson moving to the uh, Latical Forest, you'd expect him to be their number one and therefore, He's probably, you would say, Pope's biggest rival for that third spot in, in the England squad because you would expect uh, Pickford and Ramsdale to be one and two. So he, he knows he needs to play and, and therefore he's going to come in with, you know, with <laughs> determined to make, make sure that happens. And, and you know, Dubravka, you would, you would expect to respond to that. If he doesn't, he's going to find himself out of the team. But yeah. as you say, both have showed over, for, over a consistent period in the Premier League they're up to scratch and that you you would not have you know the the problem with Burnley for example was if Nick Pope was missing you got (laughs) worried uh, pretty quickly that you were like you know there's going to be a significant drop off whereas the Bravka's proven you know he's he's more than capable in the Premier League and you're not going to have that you're probably not going to have that uncertainty of oh we're missing you know Pope and one thing about Pope is he I mean he he won Burnley points and as as you alluded to you know to to be successful in the Premier League, you need goalkeepers who are of that standard. You need goalkeepers who, you know, if you can be barraged with shots as he as he was on many occasions with Burnley, but you know, keep them out or, or keep them in the game even if it's, even if it's one 0 down and you can nick a point. I mean, I look at the, his performance away at Chelsea last season where it was just constant. Chelsea just battered Burnley pretty much for, for seventy five minutes. But Pope, you know, stood up to everything. It was, it was only one nil, and then. You know, Burnley got up the other end and nick a point, and, and those those types of points can be the difference, especially with Newcastle. You would imagine want to be sort of looking at, at the European places this season. I feel it's going to be quite a, a compact middle of the table, and it's going to be a few points which probably separates a lot of those teams. So <laughs> yeah. if you've got goal, if you've got a goalkeeper who's capable of you know, making that big save at, at the key moment, which Pope is, yeah. you know, it can only be- so those fine margins, isn't it? That's what the Premier League's all about: is the fine margins. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how's how's the future looking for Burnley though? And uh, Vincent Company now. I mean, it's he's a he's a big name in football. I mean, you know, not relatively untested as far as a manager and a coach goes. But how's how are the feeling about that? It's exciting. It feels very new era, uh, which I think it always was going to be. But it does feel fresh. I think Company. You know, we, we spoke to him for the first time on Friday, and you know, he said all the right things, and 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 sort of 
and sort of brought that you know that sense that, that you know thing good things are coming um, which is you know what the fans want to hear it's going to be a very new look Burnley given the amount of players who who have departed on you know at the end of the contracts and will will probably follow Pope out the door in terms of sales so it's it is there's there's uncertainty because it could all go wrong I mean it depends who you speak to as to how good the job they think company did at Anderlecht but he came into a situation there with Anderlecht were in financial financial trouble um, and had to rely a lot on on sort of young players and, and bringing through their own academy and that's sort of what Burnley want to do anyway is is use their academy much more effectively because you know they've they've spent a number of years and money on upgrading it to currently category one maybe dropping to category two it's still unconfirmed but using that but also looking at the likes of they've bought Scott Twine which is really exciting supporters League One Player of the Year last year those types of signings you know twenty two year olds who they can come in, sort of mould, and then maybe they're the next big, you know, player that a Premier League club comes and gets. And similar a little bit to like what they've gone, done with Nathan Collins, brought him in from Stoke for twelve million, right? They were in the Premier League, but you know, he's now much you know, he's valued a lot higher than that now because he's shown he's he's more capable in the Premier League. So it's it's interesting, it who knows how it's gonna go. Um but the early signs and, and the early impressions you get from companies. He's a man who's determined to make sure it's, it's a success. So we, we'll see. Andy, just a quick final one for me. Obviously, we were both at Turf Moor on the final day of last season. And at the time, it was it was very raw. And I'm sure it was hard for everyone sort of to take. And how was that sort of... You said New Era. Did it feel like that was that was the end of, of that era? Obviously, Tarkovsky's leaving. Ben Mays left. Um, the the manager had already left a, f- a few months before. How how hard was it for for fans to take, or was it was it almost like right? Well, this is this is a fresh start, a clean slate in the championship, albeit with I suppose those issues in terms of potential financial issues going forward. Yeah, I think it was it was quite mixed. To be fair, um, there was a lot of so I think there was fear initially because it was like right, where do we go from here? But I think there was also an acceptance that regardless of what division Burnley were in coming into this season. It was going to be a you know a time for a change anyway because I think there was an expectation that a fair few of the the players who um, were out of contract would leave anyway and and the the main aim from from ALK since they've walked in the building is to improve the age of the squad. It was the oldest in the Premier League last season. I think it was thirty the average age. They wanted to bring that down regardless of the division they they were in. So I think it still would have felt new era ish. I think. Um, but now the fact that it's just it's so different because they were in the Premier League for six years and now suddenly the you know the back in the Championship and company I think has has provided that boost because he's a big name but also it's it's exciting it's not you know so an appointment sort of down the road of someone who's been there and done it before like. I don't know, and this isn't to be disrespectful on this podcast. Go on, no, be as disrespectful as you like. Go for <laughs> but it. But it's like you know, that's if, what we're all about. If you brought in a, you know, a Steve Bruce or someone who's who's been there, yeah. and you've done it before, that type of thing. Where do you go for that type of manager? Uh, probably not necessarily Steve Bruce. Um, so Newcastle fans would be would advise not to. Um, you don't want Steve Bruce, mate. <laughs> exactly, but you know yeah. that type of manager, so the older, the experienced, who's gonna. Maybe not play like an Allardyce or yeah, somebody like that. Yeah. Maybe not play particularly attractive football, but is gives you a good chance of going back up. Where company, I think, given you know he's at Anderlecht and the way he plays is, is really exciting, and, and the project that the, the sort of talking about is is really exciting. So I think fans are, are beginning to sort of 
you know, look forward to to the new season. And there's a load more derby games for them as well, which which would be good unless they lose them, I guess. And <laughs> they might have different <laughs> thoughts on that. But I mean, it's 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 an exciting new season. It's new. It's fresh. It's it's not going to Man City away knowing you're going to get beat again type thing. It's it's now going expecting to win games, which yeah. is. It's not a feeling that Burnley fans have really had for, for a while. Right. Well, good luck with that. Anyway, I hope it uh, I hope it works out down at Burnley and uh, and uh, Vincent Company has a good effect on them. Um, well, Andy, thanks very much for coming on. It's always a pleasure to speak to you, mate. And it's great to have you on again. Uh, and we shall no doubt catch up with you again at some point in the future, possibly uh, if uh, Burnley are promoted. Definitely not Newcastle getting relegated, though. Let's not have that conversation no, right you'll now. You'll be on in January when Newcastle sign whoever Burnley's best player is next season. That's what's going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you mean when Burnley knocked Newcastle out the FA Cup <laughs> in the third round in January? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Cheers, Andy. Nice one. Thank, Thank you, Andy. Yeah, no worries. Thanks very much to Andy for coming on there. Lots of uh, great insight into Nick Pope and Burnley's hopes for the future as well. Uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months right now. Uh, go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and you get full access to all of our great writing and ad-free versions of The Athletic's podcasts. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Sign up now. Come on, you Maggies. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Oh, right then, Christopher. Na 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 Botman. I think this is why George has refused to come on the podcast today, just because he can't, he can't, he can't bear it. He just can't bear it. Oh, God. Did you think we were honestly going to get through today without something like that? I mean, I hoped I was going to get through life without something like that, but instead, you just give it to me on a weekly basis instead. <laughs> there we go. Sven Botman is on Tyneside, Chris, isn't he? He's here. His plane has landed. We all tracked it on that weird app that people track planes on, and it flew right over my house at one point. I give him a little wave out the back window. Uh, he is in Newcastle for a medical ahead of agreeing uh, the €37 million Euro move from Lille. Uh, this is a big signing, isn't it? This was Newcastle's number one target for the window as far as uh, defenders is concerned, and maybe even as far as the whole squad's concerned. It's a, it's a great it's a great signing. It does feel like... Uh, the statement signing, just as Bruno Gimoresh was in January, this feels like one for the summer in terms of someone who can was courted by a lot of other European clubs, has the room to really grow and develop with the club as they try and fulfil the, the ambition that they have. And actually someone who 
when the takeover first happened, Newcastle sort of got together with the recruitment team, the, the new owners, and they sort of said, who is a player who you would look at and, and sort of see as being someone who you really admire, but who previously you didn't, A, have the financial capacity, and B, the vision to be able to sell to a player to convince him to come. And Sven Botman basically came out on top of that, which is what part of the reason why he was targeted in January. And Lille didn't want to sell then, and Newcastle wouldn't go to the demands that they that they had. I think it would have taken more than £40 million at that stage to get him, and Newcastle weren't prepared to pay. That obviously ended up bringing in Dan Byrne eventually. But he is a rarity in that every single person on Newcastle's recruitment team, so Amanda Staveley, uh, Jamie Rubin, uh, Jason Tindall, who's the assistant head coach, Howe himself, Steve Nixon, the head of recruitment, and even... Once he came in, Dan Ashworth, who is now football and football director, all of them were unanimous in believing that Newcastle should go for him. And it's rare that you get that all the way through. Good enough. So this is one who they have big hopes for. There is a calculated gamble, as there is whenever you bring someone in uh, from abroad, and the fact that he's only 22 years of age. But the potential yeah, he's still young, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But the potential is huge. He's already shown a heck of a lot. Um, won the league with with Lille not last season but the season before. Has played in the Champions League last season and really uh, comes in as someone who you would expect to take a one of those two centre-back slots. If not immediately, if it might take him a little bit of time, certainly with the next few months, you'd expect it to be Sven Botman plus another, be that Fabian Scher or Dan Byrne, because that is the Newcastle have put the outlay on a player who they hope to see build and grow with the club. Absolutely. Left-sided centre-back, six foot four, uh, pretty strong in a tackle from what I've seen on the few YouTube videos that I've watched because I'm such a good broadcaster that I do my research, Chris, you see. Um, yeah, but come on, it's it, we've prized away uh, a centre-back from, from AC Milan here and he could have went and played under Paolo Maldini, one of the greatest defenders that football has ever seen, uh, and he's coming to Newcastle. I mean, these are conversations that 18 months ago we didn't think would be possible to have, but... Here we are. Sven Botman is is on the cusp of becoming a Newcastle player, and it, and it's exciting times, Chris, isn't it? This is something that we we should be excited about. We shouldn't just be getting used to this now and thinking that this is the norm. No, it is exciting times, and financial fair play does to an extent curb Newcastle spending this summer. But there was always, they were always going to show ambition, and they they still have resources which outweigh certainly a lot of clubs in Europe, as they've shown here. They went to a level that AC Milan simply could not or were not were unwilling to compete with. You mentioned Paolo Maldini. Now, our understanding, and this comes from both what I've heard, but also our colleague James Horncastle, who obviously covers Italian football, is that really Maldini was, was the one pushing for Botman. He wanted Sven Botman to go to AC right. Milan, but they are going through a complicated takeover at the moment, mm. and there is a feeling that spending more than £30 million um, on a centre-back is not their priority. They need to look at other areas and really they'll be better off spending elsewhere. And once Newcastle reached a certain level, yeah. they just realised they couldn't compete anymore. And even though Maldini was really pushing it, they've opted to go for alternative targets. And Newcastle had an offer which which they made to Lille uh, earlier this month, which was essentially a take-it-or-leave-it deal. They've had at least two bids rejected in January. Um, this summer... I mean, Lille had made it clear in January they weren't going to sell unless Newcastle blew them out of the water. This summer was different. They were receptive to selling. Sven Botman had already made up his mind 
that he was going to leave, and Newcastle found Lille difficult to deal with. They found that terms seemed to change, or Lille seemed to edit things later on. And so what happened with this was that Newcastle went, and Dan Ashworth said, this is this is the offer, take it or leave it. And Lille also, my understanding, is wanted the deal done by June the 30th. And so Milan simply couldn't compete with that. Newcastle managed to get Botman, and yes, it's a huge boost ahead of pre-season training, the players return on Friday for testing, and as of last, the start of last week when we were on the podcast, they'd signed Matt Target, who was already there at the end of last season, yeah. now they have two further additions on top of that, and that's a real positive that Eddie Howe wanted. That's a big, big change, isn't it, within six months, that's an entire back four and a goalkeeper different to what it was before Eddie Howe came in, and I mean... Newcastle have, have strengthened in key positions where they need it to strengthen. And I'm not used to this kind of logic, Chris. It doesn't make sense. Why haven't we bought 18 like left-wingers that we don't need? What, what's going on? Rational thinking at a rational football club. That's Newcastle United now. That is that is, that is the, the situation that we're in. No, but it, as you say, that, that Eddie Howe's revival of Newcastle United was built on defence. And they've just strengthened that even further. As you said, they've signed an entirely new back four. May not all play together, but they have signed an entirely new back four plus a new goalkeeper. And Botman fits the profile of what has made Newcastle really good in terms of he's athletic, he's physical, he brings that dominance. And that's where Newcastle have been. They've been a physically dominant side under Howe comparatively to the start of last season when they were struggling to finish matches. Even Callum Wilson was talking about how they couldn't get through games physically. They're completely different now. And you mentioned Botman's qualities. I've done a a big piece explaining the the saga, but also uh, briefly touching upon what... Botman brings and he's he's dominant aerially he's very good in the air yeah he's he's good in the tackle and he actually he seems to like a slide and tackle as well he seems to almost he unnecessarily yeah. go off his feet just to make a slide and tackle which I know you're a big fan of so that'll be that'll be delightful love a exactly. sliding tackle a completely <laughs> unnecessary <laughs> needless sliding tackle yeah exactly and he also <laughs> but he also is good on the ball He's very good with his, his sort of left foot pinging left to right crossfield balls or even balls through the middle to, to the striker. So you could have Fabian Scher on the other side if he was to start with Scher doing it and then also on, on one with his right foot and then you could have uh, Botman doing it with his, his left. And he's also... The, I think the one... Slight concern at the moment is how he would be on the turn. I suppose it's similar with, with Dan Byrne as well. Not the, He's deceptively quick, but he's not mm. the paciest, and he could be caught in behind a little bit, but yeah. that's not a concern Newcastle are really, really worried about. They're bringing in Botman, who is still only 22, they think has huge room for improvement, but also is already one of the, the hottest properties in terms of as, as a centre-back in Europe. And I think it's it, it's a huge sign in that sense. It'll be fascinating to see whether it is Sherry he's, he's paired with or whether he does end up playing with, with Dan Byrne. Then you would have to play a left-footer at a right-sided centre-back. But it was interesting because whereas the message in January from behind the scenes was very much it needs to be a left-sided centre-back, it wasn't the same going at the summer. Although Botman was the top target and clearly the top target, it was if they hadn't managed to get Botman, they weren't as fussed whether it was a left-sided or right-sided centre-back. They have an option for each of those. It was to sign someone who they thought could come in and potentially be strong in either role. So I think Botman would probably start as left-sided centre-back, but whether he could fit into that right-side position eventually or whether they could move another one, it doesn't seem to be as key, even though Howe admits that he likes the balance because of the, the sort of passing channels you can get from a left-footer and a right-footer together. That isn't the primary concern anymore. 
So what what now does the future hold for for club captain Jamal Lascelles? He's been here a while, and and you would think with Botman coming in, Fabian Cher being given a new deal, you would think those were Eddie Howe's starting pair. But you know, obviously Jamal Lascelles is still here, has a bit to offer. Is there an option that he could be leaving, or do you think he's going to stay and fight for his place? Or the questions are only going to grow about Lascelles. There were already many. He's um, now probably for, you'd say fourth choice centre back, as as you say. Whereas the other three we mentioned before are all a bit more comfortable in possession as well. Lascelles, not not quite that. But he remains the club captain and Howe has been impressed with how he's he's dealt with that behind the scenes. He hasn't he hasn't kicked off. He's been very gracious in that. And he seems to have, 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 striv- have, have been driving to improve. As of yet, Newcastle haven't had a serious offer for him. He has been linked with a, with a few clubs. There has been tentative interest from others, but nothing sort of concrete. And until there is, and until a decent bid comes in, I'd, I think that, that Lascelles for now will stay, although I'm sure Newcastle would listen if a decent offer came in. Elsewhere, Kieran Clark is available, was left out of the squad in January, remains available. Federico Fernandez, you'd very much expect to leave as well, because Newcastle now, the problem they've got is, it, it's, a, it's a good problem to have, but they've signed three players, let two go. They have 32 senior players at the moment who are due to return on Friday. Mm, yeah. They need to offload players, they need to reduce the wage bill. Um, obviously, Paul Dummett can also cover in at centre-back. I think he'd be like the, the fifth-choice centre-back, the, yeah. maybe even third-choice left-back option if Jamal Lewis says it looks like he might at this stage. So, yeah, I think that the ones like Clark's going to go, Fernandez could well go, but offloading those players, as we've said many times, is, is slightly easier said than done. That would suggest then that the inbound transfers, as far as the defence is concerned, are, are pretty much done now. Would you say that's the case? I would never say never, but it's certainly not the priority anymore. Um, Newcastle will see what happens throughout the rest of the summer. They seem quite happy with, with, with the cohort that they now have. As you say, they've signed four defenders and, and, a, and a goalkeeper since since the turn of the year. But equally, they're always open to if a player suddenly becomes available they didn't realise was available or if they were to get an offer all of a sudden for a player who they might consider leaving, uh, allowing to leave, they may bring someone in. But certainly the focus now will shift to attacking players because Howe said at the end of last season he needed goals, they needed greater goals in the team. They haven't yet signed any attacking players. And so as positive as the business they've done so far is, there's still work to do up front. Absolutely. Let's just circle back round to Sven Botman. He is in in Newcastle right now. He's uh, he's in uh, at the training ground at Benton for his uh, for his medical. He arrived earlier on in that black uh, blacked out windows people carrier, which I am now calling uh, the Botmobile. Oh, just so you know. Oh dear. Uh, <laughs> oh dear. I might just I might just leave this podcast now. <laughs> Go on, get yourself away. I'll just sit here and talk to myself. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, bring Andy Jones back. Um, no, but Chris, the, the point I was trying to make was a broadly serious point, actually, in amongst all of the terrible Batman puns. Um, the medical pr- process for, for a player coming into a, a team is, is actually quite a lot different to what people imagine it is, isn't it? It's not it's not a cut and dry, pass and fail thing is what a lot of people seem to think it is. It, it's it, it's uh, an analysis of a player's situation where they are looking at their history of injuries and all that sort of stuff. And then they, uh, they have an outcome, which is basically where they suggest to the club whether it's a good idea to sign this person or not based on all the evidence isn't it so it's it's not a it's not a straightforward he fails or he passes a medical is it it's not no and you also have certain situations where if a transfer is done quickly for example if it's a transfer deadline day loan a a, a medical might not be quite as extensive as it is for Botman it it, it is and has been extensive because he's a significant signing in terms of value and also he's not played in the Premier League before that you have to in general, if, if it's like an intra-Premier League 
transfer, for example, Nick Pope. So there is already information there that you can you can feed upon, and it, some of the tests don't necessarily have to be quite as extensive, uh, although usually they are. Yeah. Whereas for for Botman, they will be. And yeah, it's not a case of if, if someone says you definitely can't sign this, but they present the evidence of, for example, uh, if and and this is not speaking about any specific player, but if a player has an issue with the knee that they've not had diagnosed previously or have had diagnosed previously. And this is, this is that there is a risk that his knee could, could blow up, whatever. I suppose there's the, there's the yeah. Denver bar situation where Stoke opted not to sign him. Uh, and Newcastle United obviously did uh, in, in 2020, 12, 2011, 2012, whenever it was that they signed Denver Bar again. It's not just a cut and dry issue. If you could, you could in theory, quote unquote, fail a medical at one club and go to another club yeah. and pass it because you determine the risk in terms of signing a player. Now we say this, and hopefully Botman's already agreed and signed. Basically, we do, we don't anticipate any issues with Botman if if he hasn't quite signed by the time this goes out. This is this is more a general point about those medicals. But yeah, it isn't just a necessary a cut and dry as that. Well, part of the, the good news is that as as far as Sven Botman's injury history goes, I've just checked it out there, and he's he's only missed 19 games in his entire career through injury, which is pretty decent, really, for a top-level footballer when you think about the, the stresses and strains that the bodies are put under, under on a weekly basis. Uh, that, that's from 2017 when he made his debut. That's a pretty decent uh, a pretty decent injury record, a hamstring injury, a groin injury, and that is pretty much it. That's all he's had. So you would hope that Newcastle are going to get a player who's going to play more minutes than he, than he misses he's going to bring some steel and a bit of uh, a little bit of class to that centre-back uh, position as well he's like like we've said he's left-footed uh, he loves a tackle uh, and he seems to be pretty dominant in the air as well he's a big lad and uh, one of the uh, one of the things that got me excited was I watched the highlights of him playing against Chelsea in the Champions League uh, and he had an absolutely astonishing game that day he was man of the match and and they couldn't deal with him. He was he was he was on yeah, fire. Yeah, I think my favourite moment in that because I've th- this is mentioned in, in the piece of Dundon as well. I, I, there's a there's a grab of it. I went on wide scout to look at him, and I think it's on the on the left hand touchline. Kai Havertz gets to the byline, whips a cross in. Yeah, and seen it, yeah. you have Hakim Ziyech coming in from one side, and and Josie Fonte, who's who's, who's was. Uh, Botman's centre-back partner at Lille goes to head it and Botman just basically goes through both of them to get to the ball that ball is his he is heading that and he is getting rid of it it was almost like Duncan Ferguson-esque yes. of going through people to get the ball and so he, he loves he seems to love an aerial challenge so yeah that should suit him well in the Premier League Fantastic stuff. Right then, that's it. Let's move on. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of uh, transfer chat with some questions from subscribers in a bit. And that's it for the Batman puns for now. Chris, you'll be glad to know. Thank goodness. We'll be back in just a moment. Batman! 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 When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So lots of good news this week. Um, we asked you how you're feeling now, now that the club is making progress in the transfer market and what you'd like to see between now and the start of the season. There was a really good response uh, on social media uh, and through the Athletic app. The fans uh, are all pretty much on the same page here, but that's probably a good thing, isn't it, Chris? Everyone seems to be sort of understanding the situation and there doesn't seem to be any ridiculous expectations to get uh, for Newcastle at the minute. No, and I think there was a period maybe four to six weeks ago where there was at least some in and around the club who worried about what the expectations would be given how well Newcastle have performed in 2022 so far and all the richest club in the world tag which we've, we've talked about before and, and how that isn't necessarily the case yeah. but it doesn't seem and certainly my general interactions with most people isn't it has not been there hasn't been complaints about the business that's done so far they're excited by the business Newcastle have done so far it improved the, the three signings in theory improve certainly improved the squad pot you could argue uh, Maybe all three of them improve the starting eleven, or at least retain that sort of the level within the starting eleven. And I think most fans are realistic about that, and they're just excited to see what these new players can do and what Eddie Howe can do with a full preseason behind him. Absolutely, Stephen P on the real time feeders uh, contributed and said, "I think a forward or a number ten that links the midfield, the attack, and can, can contribute goals." Uh, put my teeth back in there, and if you have a regular starting Wilson uh, backed up with Wood, I think you need a creative player behind the striker to chip in. Um, Newcastle's goals kind of came from all over the pitch this season, didn't they? But they missed that that focal point up front when Wilson was out. Um, a, a, an attacking midfielder, does it fit in with the way Eddie Howe wants to play? Maybe it's not exactly what Newcastle need right now. I'm not sure a number 10 so much would be what Newcastle are looking for. In fact, my information is that isn't really the position that they do definitely want forward players, and I agree with Stephen Pete. That's exactly what they need. Howe has said they need goals. The priority is to sign in theory a right-sided forward and hopefully also a more versatile forward who can play through the middle and also across the line rather than number 10. That's sort of, I think, why Lucas Paqueta, I think both the price tag but also the fact that he's he's more of a number 10 doesn't really necessarily fit automatically into that system is possibly yeah. why they're looking elsewhere as excited as fans have got because he's Bruno Gimmers' best mate. Yeah. But the, the, the actual central striker thing is interesting because there was a period before the window and before Cal Wilson was fit, where it was very much it needs to be one and number nine, one someone who's going to come in and could potentially start instead of Wilson. But I think that the the market has just been so ludicrous yeah. and the prices that they've been caught are just so high that they've decided they would be blowing most of the budget if they did that and instead they want to strengthen in in particular areas and so therefore it's probably likely to be a wide forward and then someone who's mm. maybe younger and a bit more versatile up front who could play instead of Wilson but not necessarily an out-and-out number nine every week. That's the gamble you take, though, isn't it, with Callum Wilson with his injury with his injury record? You know, you might lose him for a chunk of the season then do you have someone... Uh, to come in because with all the greatest respect in the world, Chris Wood came in and 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 did the job and ploughed the furrow. But it was it was hard for him at times, and the goals weren't there, were they? No, the, the, the Chris Wood did a very important job, and as we know, George has defended him to the hilt. And and, and any the, the record in terms of when he was in the team speaks for itself. Newcastle winning matches, and he was contributing to Absolutely, that. Absolutely, yeah. But Newcastle did lack a little something, which certainly in terms of threat, in terms of real. Uh, sort of 12 yards out in that space real goal threat that when Callum Wilson came back in for those two matches was suddenly there again and suddenly you saw 
what a centre forward who could really challenge opposition defence could yeah. bring. But really, there aren't that many of those strikers around. Certainly not who are going to come in for a reasonable price. Not many who are going to be happy to to really uh, be up against Callum Wilson as well if he is fit. And so I think. Um, in that sense, it makes sense for Newcastle to do it elsewhere. I understand why there's some people have a little bit of trepidation about that because of Callum Wilson's injury record. Mm-hmm. But really, yeah. Newcastle do have a limit on the funds they can spend this summer, both in terms of what they're willing to and what they actually can. And the quotes from most number nines at this stage, certainly early in the window, just seem far too high. Whether that changes later in the window and clubs decide they want to sell certain players, but at the minute, someone like Dominic Calvert-Lewin or Ivan Tony, I just don't see Newcastle paying the money that it would take, which you're probably talking 50 million plus for both. Uh, Alex M chipped in as well with uh, with this little offering. An attacking wide option is needed. What we've just been saying, while Fraser and Almiron performed admirably under Eddie Howe, uh, they do have their limitations and some fitness issues. Uh, Alan Samaxman is another problem altogether. And he goes on to say, four wingers is a must in our squad for Howe's system. Um, obviously, Fraser's there. You've got uh, Jacob Murphy as well, who plays wide. Uh, Miggy Almiron and Alan Samaxman, you would say you were looking for another player to come into the starting eleven to play as well as Alan St. Maximan on, on the other side, wouldn't you? Um, Miggy Armouron was great towards the end of the season, but you would want an improvement there, wouldn't you? Uh, you would. And as you say, Armouron was, when he came in the team, when Fraser got injured, he did he did score that wonder goal against Palace. And, and really pressing-wise, and in terms yeah. of pace, what he brings to the team is different to what the other players that, that, that who what they offer to, to Newcastle side. Boundless yeah, energy, exactly. Chris. Exactly. Boundless energy. I think energy. Fraser was doing very well under Howe and yeah. it'll be interesting to see how he, if, whether he can pick up that form again having had his hamstring injuries. But I mean, I saw the thing going around on social media which was slightly harsh on Miguel Moron, but it sort of showed that he had the same number of appearances for Newcastle in the Premier League as, as Kieran Clark and has one fewer goal and the same number of assists. And I mean, it's harsh. To, but, it, but, in, but if you see those just those yeah. just direct numbers, he doesn't give enough of that. And Newcastle do want to add more goals, and particularly if they are going to, yeah. particularly if they may have to play part of the season without Callum Wilson. The way you can mitigate for that is rather than just having a Callum Wilson light or an alternative to Callum Wilson, is you have more players who provide more goals across the pitch. And so that's ideally what Newcastle are looking at. Musa Diaby has been among their top targets, if they're not not their top target for the right side of forward. But again, I do like him, yeah, Chris. Again, again like prices that Newcastle are being called, yeah, they're, they're not willing to go yeah. to whatever the price is that buy Leverkusen are demand at the minute. Again, in excess of 50 pushing up to £60 million. Pounds. Mm. Whether that changes as it goes on, there's even been suggestions in France that even if Newcastle did reach a deal, he's not interested in coming to Newcastle. We shall wait and see on that front. But I think that they are certainly considering alternatives because of, because of that. And I suppose at this moment, I, I, we need to talk about Hugo Egatike, who... Yeah, yeah, of course. At this stage... I think that that's looking more and more unlikely. Others are reporting that it that it's basic, it basically is done, that they aren't going to sign Ekatiki. I'm not yet ready to, to, to say that because I haven't been given that fully indication, but certainly Newcastle are now actively looking at some of their other options. They are going to move on to others because of that. They had an agreement with, with Rem, his club, but the, the player himself, particularly the, well, the agent sorry, of the player, has been found to be very difficult to deal with, demanding significant fees. And also, basically, he's been touting them around clubs across Europe, Paris Saint-Germain are reportedly now very interested. How true that is, I'm not yet sure. Yeah. But I wouldn't yet write it off completely, not just for now and for because if if if, if Paris Saint-Germain don't end up signing him and he has nowhere else to end up going, I, I still wouldn't be surprised if later in the summer the agent returns with his turn between his legs and tries to do a deal with Newcastle. <laughs> Whether Newcastle yeah. have already signed someone by then yeah. is a different matter. But they do really like Ekatiki. He is he has been a long term target. But at the minute it's looking increasingly unlikely that that deal is going to happen, certainly in the short term. 
Uh, Chris, I would imagine you spend an awful lot of your time uh, during the week when you're not at work um, with people coming up to you and, and offering names of players who potentially might sign for us. So in this instance, I'm going to be that annoying prick uh, and I'm going to offer you the name of Rafinha. Is that a name that Newcastle are looking at? It's a name which has been touted today. Another link. Uh, and, and also Jack Harrison as well, if we're talking about Leeds players. Um, Rafinha is a great player, though. I can imagine him and Ansa Maximan on our, on either side would put the ships up most defences, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, I think the reason that so many people like Rafinha as well is that although he has flair going forward, he also works bloody hard off the ball. and he's, he's, He doesn't he does. seem like that sort of archetypal flair player in that sense. I mean, Rafinha is... Like, oh, exactly, yeah, the, the other side. The, the winger <laughs> yeah. on the other side. Uh, he, Rafinha is someone Newcastle really do like. Yeah, they have watched him. Uh, Jack Harrison the same and they were sort of players along with Calvin Phillips although I think Calvin Phillips would have gone to Man City probably regardless who they looked at who had potential relegation release clauses or certainly would be able to be signed at a cheaper rate if Leeds had gone down and so Newcastle we mentioned earlier how they capitalised on Burnley going down to sign Nick Pope they would have looked to sign a few players at Leeds who who they really liked in that sense Rafinha they do like but I just I struggle to see how they're going to compete with the other clubs that he supposedly... Well, I mean, his dream seems to be to go to Barcelona, reportedly is, but then the likes of Arsenal and others are looking at him. I think that he wants to go to a, to a club to play European football, which which Newcastle can't offer at this stage. Um, Jack Harrison, someone who, who, who they also like, uh, that would be interesting because it'll be interesting to see uh, whether Leeds would be willing to sell all of Phillips, Rafinha and Harrison in one window. It would be a heck of a lot yeah. of their first team to sell. That's what I've just spoken to, to our Leeds correspondent, Phil, here about this before. And he, he was saying that, that that was his immediate reaction when he would put it to some people. Um, equally, Newcastle do like Harrison. Let's see let's see how that develops. But I, I'd be surprised if Rafinha came in. But that's not because Newcastle don't like him. I just think it's because there's probably going to be options elsewhere. Fair play Ian W has agreed with uh, several other correspondents and said a striker as we've already said maybe a midfielder uh, but we could wait until January for the midfielder the midfield's an interesting one isn't it because the the Joe Linton um, conundrum now raises its head does he keep that place in midfield he was in there as a as a stopgap as a as a kind of makeshift midfielder for a while he played incredibly well in that position he's he's proven himself to be a really really handy player in there Bruno Gimaraes alongside him, obviously, and then one of either Shelby or Willock. Would Newcastle be looking at a midfielder to replace Joe Linton, or would he be the player who stays in that midfield? Well, I've had no indications yet that they're looking for a player to replace Joe Linton necessarily. I think that he brings so much to, to the team in terms of being there that he's allowed the likes of Bruno and others to really express themselves and to be able to hmm. to grow from that. I mean, John Joe Shelby's in the final 12 months of his contract or going into the final 12 months of his contract. Uh, and so he need, then he... There needs to be a conversation about whether he's going to either sign longer term or, as it seems more likely, he maybe be transitioned out over time and someone brought in to replace him. Yeah. Joe Willock is still there. Newcastle are looking at midfielders. It's not the priority position, but they are looking at midfielders. And I think, ideally, Eddie Howe would end the summer with a one. But as I said earlier, they need to get rid of a lot of players as well before they can do that. You got any names for me, Chris? You got any names? You got any juicy names? Come on. I haven't got any name. specific names for you. Although Vieira, who's just signed for Vieira, who's just signed for Arsenal, Newcastle did like and looked at for quite a while. Uh, right. I mean, they okay. keep getting linked to Christian Eriksen again. I know that they like him. I don't know how true reports are that they have that they think that they're in the running. I that hasn't 
been suggested to me personally, but equally others seem to say they definitely like Ericsson. But I'd be surprised again at this stage if he ends up. I'd be delighted, but I'd be surprised. Ah, like again, Christian but... Ericsson, such a classy footballer, isn't he? Yeah, and I, I, I think it's I think it's more likely to be a sort of a, a creative type if if they do sign a midfielder. But the, Newcastle are open to a few different profiles of players to an extent. The the type of midfielder they would sign if if one did become available would depend on who they could sign at that moment in time. They have they have three or four sort of profiles of player in that position who Eddie Howe is looking at. Yeah. He has several profiles for each different position that he had at Bournemouth, which he's brought across here. Andy Howe, who's his, his nephew, who we talked about a few months ago, who was brought in and is on the scouting team. He, he he knows those profiles in depth. And so at this stage, I don't know. As I say, I, I'd be surprised if a midfielder is the next player to sign because goals are desperately what they need, unless yeah. it is someone who can, who can bring goals from midfield as well in the way you'd like to think Joe Willock could start picking up again I'll be honest if Joe Linton does lose his place in the midfield I will stamp my feet like a toddler who's been told they can't have any more jelly and ice cream because that man deserves to play football for Newcastle United after the after the season he's put in player of the year some of those performances and even adding goals as well towards the end of the season with uh, the, the game against Brentford and uh, Norwich sorry incredible I, I he, he starts, for me, he starts every single week. He starts every single week with... Well, I mean, Ryan. in his current form, you'd, you'd have to say that. Whether It's now interesting to see whether he can produce that going forward as well. Yeah, he's, back, had a, yeah. he's had a real purple patch over the course of the last six months. Let's hope that that is just the start of what's to come. Yes, and absolutely. And as we've said recently, the, the football department at the club would like to have as much of the uh, business done long before the season starts. Obviously, pre-season uh, is only just round the corner, but I think perhaps the main thing uh, at the minute is for fans to enjoy the excitement. Uh, it's still very early in the journey, and George has written about that this week as well. A, a big piece on The Athletic uh, talking about the optimism and going into the new season. Uh, Chris, have you got anything as well that's that's coming up? Anything you want to tout? Uh, well, before I do, I just want to chat about, about George. Obviously not, not on the podcast this week. And I assume the reason for that is, and I will show you my medal here, uh, Taylor, I'm just showing you on the camera there. It's a, it's a, oh, um, I can see that. It's, it's embarrassment because we went to the Hoppins together last Thursday. He was adamant. He oh, was lovely. adamant that we had to go. Apparently, it's a thing. So we went together and we did a penalty shootout. And I beat George. I only scored <laughs> one of them. And he, he says that I fluked it in. Whereas his three misses, he claims that he connected brilliantly but didn't get them in, which is just, he's just a man who's never kicked a football foot. I have video evidence of this. But equally, we also we went on one ride. That one ride was Mighty Mouse. Um, which is which is a, a, a roller coaster that was in the middle, and I, no, this is no word oh. of a lie. And George has completely shafted me by putting it on Twitter. But we're going round, and all the way around, George is going, "Don't like this, don't like this, don't like being on the outside, don't like this." Hanging on for dear life, and I was all right, I was fine. And yet, there's a the picture. You know the pictures they take when you go round. Yeah. The picture on it, which George shared shared on social media, he looks completely serene, and I look like I am hanging on for dear life. <laughs> and he just loved that fact. He just loved it. Lovely stuff. He loves stitching you up, doesn't he, Chris? I mean, let I do want to check something though. Did did George absolutely leather his penalties like he says you should, or, or was he trying to? Was he going for a bit of accuracy? He didn't, because this is what I said him after. I said I thought you said a penalty had to be twatted was his exact term, wasn't it? You have to twat. That twat was a the penalty. word, wasn't but it? No, yeah. he didn't, because because he, he said because he because it was a one the ones where you've got you know like there's the square you've got to get it through the square. He said that wasn't the appropriate technique. Mm. So, but cle- clearly, oh, I do as I say, exactly, not as I do. His oh, alternative technique was crap as well. So that's that's brilliant. <laughs> 
Well, we'll definitely not mention that next week when he comes back. Uh, yes, uh, George will be back next week. No, he isn't. He's he not. Isn't. Oh, he isn't. It says on here, George will be back next week. Someone's feeding me nonsense. Uh, right, yes. Uh, there is lots to enjoy on the Athletic at the minute, so why not venture beyond the Newcastle page? And here are a couple of suggestions. Uh, there's full details of pre-season plans for all 20 Premier League clubs. Uh, the weird MLS clause that we'll see in Miami get 40 grand from Gareth Bale's transfer fee. Uh, or Ollie Kay's rundown of the 50 best Premier League performances. All 49 of them are Joe Linton, uh, and apart from one of them. Um, yeah. So, well, how about you, Chris? Anything, uh, anything you want to tout at the minute? Anything you want to put forward? Well, there is that Sven Botman piece which I mentioned. I also did a big piece on Nick Pope last week, which I spoke to to various different coaches and managers from before, including Nathan Jones, who who is the Luton manager who briefly coached him at Charlton, and they were all uh, they all talked about him as as a player, but also why this sort of uh, narrative out there that he can't kick the ball is is not fair on him. And also, at some point over the course of the next week or two, I will be writing about Elliot Anderson and his situation because he should be back for pre-season training and obviously is ex- exciting talent for Newcastle fans to potentially see play a few times in pre-season, hopefully. Right, lovely stuff. Well, thanks very much for listening, everybody. And thanks, Chris, for your time. Thanks to Andy Jones as well for coming on and uh, and chatting to us. And don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months right now at theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Come on, Chris, let's do it together one more time before we leave. Na 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 Athletic.